Hi everyone, welcome to today's podcast from Property Apprentice. My name is Debbie Roberts. I'm one of the founding owners of the company. So today's subject, I'm going to be talking about new builds versus existing properties and I'll run through some pros and cons for each of those uh, different options as far as strategies go when it comes to investing in property. So disclaimer first, uh, all of the property apprentice coaches are registered financial advisors, but we I'm not a mortgage advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, so we always encourage people to get independent expert advice from uh, professionals in those fields and preferably uh, from people who specialise in property investing if investing is what you choose to do. Nothing from today's presentation can be taken as being individual financial advice. I'm talking about very general information in this as we go through. But it'll just give you a few pros and cons for each of the alternatives, whether you're looking at buying a new build versus an existing property. So we'll start with the new builds first, and I'll run through some of the pros of investing in a new build. So first of all, even with the Reserve Bank restrictions in place, there was an exemption for new builds. That makes it a bit easier as far as lending goes. So if you were buying a new build as a home buyer, even when the Reserve Bank restrictions were in place, you could get up to 95% lending. And as an investor, you could get up to 80% lending, which means you'd need a smaller deposit. Now, the reason that this is important is because the Reserve Bank restrictions have been lifted until the 1st of May 2021. However, with the property market moving as quickly as it is, there's a really good chance that those um, restrictions could be put back in place, okay, come the 1st of May next year. So that is obviously going to have an impact on people who are looking at doing a new build project, which is going to be finishing a bit later on in the piece. So important to remember that at the moment, uh, you can still get 80% lending as an investment, even if it's an existing property versus a new build. But when the Reserve Bank restrictions come back into play, then that definitely gives an advantage to new builds versus existing because you don't need as much deposit. Okay, it is a bit more of a hands-off approach when you're looking at buying a new build. And the reason for that is because generally a new build doesn't require any renovation, you know, so no landscaping. It depends on the package that you're looking at purchasing. But more of a hands-off approach. You're buying something that's all finished and ready and rearing to go. A lot of the new builds have got the master build guarantee, so like 10-year guarantees. Uh, So definitely if you're looking at purchasing a new build, double check that to make sure that you have got a master builder or something similar to that which is offering those 10-year guarantees on the quality of their work because that means that if there's something that needs repairing that's covered by the guarantee then that's something that you don't have to front up with out of your own back pocket. Now, because it's a new build, one of the other advantages is that there's likely to be less repairs and maintenance for the first few years that you own that property. So obviously that's beneficial whether you're a home buyer or an investor because it keeps your costs down a little bit after purchase. And if it's a new build and everything's all ready to go, then obviously it could be rented out quite quickly after you've settled the property because 
it's ready and rearing. You don't have to renovate the property first. And there's also potentially some higher demand from tenants, you know, because nice, shiny new property is quite tempting as long as market rent is affordable for them. One of the biggest advantages, in my opinion, about new builds is that there's no asbestos-containing materials in a new build. So it was several years ago now that all of the building products, there was no longer allowed to be any asbestos containing materials in them. So you can rest assured with new builds that you won't have an issue with asbestos moving forward. Some of the downsides for new builds, uh, you tend to have more competition from other buyers and in particular home buyers, but also you'll have competition from um, emotional investors. So what I consider to be an emotional investor, they tend to be the ones that people call mum and dad investors, you know, so this is going to be their only investment property because they don't know how to do anything differently. They're buying it with the same emotion that home buyers buy with. So you will tend to have a lot more competition from other buyers with a new build and for that reason you're likely to pay full market value especially where the property market's already quite buoyant like a number of different places across the country at the moment if it's a brand new property and fully landscaped you're lucky if you've got any value-add potential to that deal so that means what you buy is what you get which also means that you're sort of limited to um, capital growth you're relying on capital growth to build up the equity in there because you're not able to purchase that property below value and you can't add value to it either if everything's already been done. Now something that a lot of people don't realise is that a new build doesn't necessarily meet the healthy home standards. So if you're buying a new build property with the intention of renting it out, you still need to double check that it meets healthy homes. It'll meet the building code but the building code and healthy homes are two completely different beasts. So the areas where new builds often break down is they don't have the heating requirement or you know, things like that. You'll still need to get it checked to make sure that it meets healthy homes because it, that's an expense that you'll need to budget in if it doesn't. So you might still have to add in a heat pump or get some extra ventilation done. So just double check your requirements for healthy homes before you go unconditional because you don't want to end up with a big fat bill after settlement before you rent it out. Okay, marketing information can also be quite misleading. What we've seen quite recently is a a number of properties that are being developed and sold by the developers or by buyers agents and similar is that they've tailored the, the marketing to make it look as attractive as possible to investors as well as home buyers. And sometimes they're targeting investors specifically. Now, one of the things to look out for is how they crunch the numbers on your cash flow. We've seen recently situations where one side of the marketing material is taking into account 100% of the purchase price, and the other side where it talks about cash flow is assuming that you've put in a 20% deposit. So that makes a massive difference. If you're using equity to fund the deposit on a rental property, you need to make sure that you're crunching the numbers on cash flow and yield and all of those sort of things. You need to make sure you're crunching those numbers at 100% of the purchase price. 
because if you're using equity in another property, then you're going to have an interest cost in that portion as well. The only time that you don't need to take into account the cost of the deposit is if you've got cash that you're willing to put down as that deposit and you want to leave it there. Okay. Now, what you need to remember is that for most people, one rental property is not going to give you enough to fund retirement. We're most investors get stuck is that they buy the wrong sort of property for their financial situation. So just because something's nice and new does not mean that you're going to get better quality tenants. It does not mean that you're going to have less tenant issues. It certainly doesn't mean that you're going to have a better retirement. And there's no guarantees with capital growth either. Capital growth is one of the only things that we can't control as investors. So you need to make sure that you're making your decisions based on your particular financial situation. I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. But make sure that you don't just assume that the information that you get given as part of the marketing package, don't assume that it's correct. Double check everything because you're the one that's buying the property. So you need to reduce your risks there. Now, if you're buying a brand new property off the plans, there are some other risks that are associated with that, especially if settlement is going to be for you know some time down the track, which we often see at the moment. So one of the risks that you need to be aware of is that pre-approvals tend to last for a maximum of six months and then you need to reapply for that pre-approval. So if you're buying something and you're unconditional on the purchase, but completion is not going to be for, say, 12 months from now, then you run into a risk period where you're going to be unconditional on the purchase, but you won't have a pre-approval that's going to last you right through until completion. If bank lending rules change, like let's say the economy starts to really struggle with this pandemic, if the economy struggles, if house values drop, then you do find yourself into a bit of a sticky situation if you've bought something off the plans. You might not qualify for lending. You might qualify for lending now, but you might not qualify when you need to in order to settle that deal. So it is a risk that you need to be aware of. Uh, one way of reducing that risk is to make sure that you're buying something that you've got pre-approval for finance past the point of completion. Okay, that's just one way of reducing the risk there. Also, something to be aware of is that uh, the government is underwriting a lot of developers, which means that if a property doesn't sell, then the government has got the right to purchase those properties and uh, use them for, for example, social housing or emergency accommodation, those sort of things. If it's in part of a larger development, then potentially you've got the risk that you might buy a property and the house next door might be used for emergency accommodation or state housing or something like that, which might not be your original intention for that particular purchase. Okay, if you're building yourself, so if you're planning on doing a new build yourself, then that removes a lot of those risks. But one of the downsides there is that at the moment, getting lending to do a new development, if you're new to the business, can be a bit harder. So make sure you get good advice from an independent mortgage advisor if you're looking at doing that before you go ahead and purchase 
something to build yourself. So oftentimes you'll need a bigger deposit um, for the bare land and then progress payments through to completion if you're going to do it yourself. But at the moment, bank lending criteria is really tight on things like new builds. Okay, so let's have a look at some of the pros for buying an existing property. So you might be able to negotiate a better deal if the property is existing and especially if it's one that needs a bit of work done to it because there tends to be less competition from other buyers. A lot of home buyers and a lot of new investors, they want to buy something that's just ready to go, so something that they don't need to do any work to. So with less competition from other buyers, you've got the potential to negotiate a bit of a discount, which means that you have created your own capital growth just from negotiating that that discount from market value. Um, You've also got the ability to add value to a property, one of the ones like I mentioned in that last point. So if, for example, if it needs renovation and you manage to negotiate a bit of a discount and then improve the value on the property through renovating it. Like I said, you've manufactured your own capital gain there. You've increased the value of your property yourself without having to rely on capital growth, which you've got no control over. Lending criteria for an existing property can be simpler because it's an existing house that might already have a tenant in place. Getting a rent appraisal for something that's ready and rearing to go can be a lot a simpler process to go through and obviously like I said before you're not relying on capital growth so one of the big things about being a successful investor is being able to recycle your deposit which means you're putting cash or equity into a deal and then you want to recycle that money that cash or equity back out again as quickly as you can so that you don't have to save a deposit to buy the next property if you don't know what I'm talking about there make sure you go to our website which is propertyapprentice.co.nz and register for one of our beginner's guides to property investing. So we do free online seminars uh, and in the room in Auckland once we get back to level one. Uh, at the moment, we're 100% online. Register for one of our two-hour training sessions and I go over the whole recycling your deposit theory on those sessions there to explain how that works. With existing properties, you'll often find that you'll be able to get a better rental return, so a better gross yield, better net yield, all of those sort of things. New builds do come at a premium, like I mentioned before, so often you'll get better cash flow on them. And you can buy a property that's already tenanted. If you're going to do that, make sure you do your homework on the tenant, but it is certainly a way to you know, reduce the risk. You don't have to wait you know, and, and have vacancy when you first settle on that property if you don't want to. Some of the downsides with buying an existing property, again, it might not meet healthy home standards. So you can get all those things checked and find out what it is that you need to do in order to bring it up to healthy homes. If it's got an existing tenant in place, then you've still got time on your side before you need to meet those healthy home standards. You don't have to do it immediately. Uh, Whereas if you are putting a new tenant in place, you will have some restrictions um, around that. Some of the healthy homes things you're already going to have to have in place and same with the normal tenancy agreement too. So if a property has been built before the 1st of January 2000, it's highly likely to have asbestos-containing materials in it. 
because it's very common. Now, you will need to have an asbestos management plan in place if you're going to do a, a renovation, if it's not going to be your own home. If it's going to be a rental property, then you are considered to be you're in the business of of owning that rental property. You need to have an asbestos management plan. Asbestos-containing materials aren't a problem. They're not a health issue unless that asbestos-containing material gets damaged, which, for example, if you're going to do a renovation and rip things out, then they're going to get damaged. So you need to have that plan in place to make sure that your tradespeople are safe and that you're safe and that your tenants, when they move in, that they'll be safe as well. Um, something else with existing properties, the property might have some history. For example, it might have been used as a meth lab. It might be methamphetamine contaminated. Someone might have died in the property. All sorts of different issues there. You, you can always do your best to research that but some and certainly in the case of meth you can test the property but you might not know the entire history and I would say probably 99% of the time it's not going to be an issue but it is something that some people freak out if they think that somebody's previously died in a house for example okay so if you're going to be renovating a property after you've settled so after you've bought the property then that can take some time. And if you've settled on that property, you're already paying the mortgage and you've got no rental income coming in until after you finish the renovation and you've got a tenant in there. So you need to make sure that you've worked out your budget properly there. But essentially, the choice is yours. As you can see, there's pros and cons for both new builds as well as existing properties. And I can't tell you in the form of a podcast what's the best because it will be different for everyone. You know, your individual situation will determine what is the best choice for you. So it's important to remember that it's not the property itself that is the most important in determining your success. It's the strategy that you choose and the purchase guidelines that you set for yourself that are going to determine your success. If you get those wrong, then it's highly likely that you're going to hit the wall with your first purchase. And as I mentioned before, one property is not going to be enough to give you potentially this, the level of comfort in retirement that you might want for yourself. The majority of investors in New Zealand only own one rental property. And I think the main reason for that is because most investors buy with emotion. It's one of the things that we're wanting to change. Although one rental property is unlikely to be enough, you can certainly purchase more than one if you've got the right strategy and purchase guidelines in place. And if you want help with strategy and any other property-related questions, that's what we do at Property Apprentice. So we've also got no vested financial interest in any of the deals that you would be buying. So if you want help with strategy and any other property-related questions, you know, during your negotiation process, during the development, whatever it is that you're doing, right through to settlement, finding tenants, all that sort of stuff, any property-related questions at all, that's what we do with our clients, okay? And we've got no vested financial interest in any of the deals that our clients buy. We get no kickbacks from developers, no kickbacks from property finders. So we can give you impartial, unbiased advice and help and support throughout your entire investment journey. So if you want help, 
then feel free to get in touch. Our website, if you haven't been to one of our free events before, propertyapprentice.co.nz. If you want to send us an email to get more information about the coaching program, feel free to do that as well. Just send an email to info at propertyapprentice.co.nz and make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. So do a search for Property Apprentice Podcast. You'll find us in all the main search engines for podcasts. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, all those ones you'll be able to find us. So thanks for listening. And if you're watching the video, uh, then thank you for watching as well. And I'll look forward to seeing you on the next one.